Ladies and gentlemen, revered industry leaders, esteemed participants and distinguished guests, good morning. And welcome to, the for to our forum titled Preparing for Net Zero. Shipping is a vital trade artery which is actually a pivotal player in our fight against uh, climatic change. Joining us today is a constellation of leading experts representing shipping companies and industry pioneers. Uh, the way they are seated is Mr. Dimitris Vastaruchas, Chief Operating Officer and Vice President of Danaos Corporation, Mr. Basil Sakelis, who is replacing Alex Hadzipateras, who unfortunately got sick. Uh, Mr. Sakelis is the CEO of Alasia New Ships Management. Dr. Lucas Barbaris, President of Safe Balkers. And last but not least, uh, Professor and Academician Konstantinos uh, Arhumanis. Uh, today, we gather not to lament, but to chart uh, a sustainable pathway towards decarbonization. Uh, we are going to navigate through the challenges and complexities of uh, decarbonization. So, buckle up and let's begin our journey. Uh, I would like to ask uh, Mr. Vastarujas, uh, what are the operational measures that can be implemented to improve the energy efficiency of existing ships? This is a critical question because uh, we understand that there are no fuels. These uh, alternative fuels do not exist. So there is a dilemma. What do we do? We do nothing? or we try to improve the fleet. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for this question, because it is something that uh, troubles our mind long time now. I, in a very strong effort to find uh, the real solutions, the practical solutions. I think that there are two phases. It is the way I see it. The phase one, is the practical optimization of the ships. I think that this subject has been exhausted in previous conferences, discussions. Uh, it has been written in texts. We have read about uh, bulbs bow modifications, retrofits of propellers, appendages, paints, and a number of other uh, optimization means. I think that this has been proved in practice we have to go there eventually. Uh, I think it is mature now, the technology. But uh, as I said, it is simply the phase one. I think that most of this work has been done. Then we have the energy management on board. We have seen uh, practices, measures described in SEMP 2 and 3. But uh, I believe that here there is a small gap because some more training needs for our people, both ashore and on board. Because energy management, 
as simply as it sounds, it is not. It, we need to change the culture, actually, to see things in a different way. Of course, we have other means that are uh, used on board that will come, new technologies. Every day we read about new things. And uh, we have worked a lot with the sea routing systems, which is also very important. I think today sea routing systems have been uh, developed uh, satisfactorily. They provide nice savings. And this is the first package. But I would like to concentrate on the phase two. The phase two is a joint action. Uh, my experience is coming from the container sector. We do not supply fuels. We have our clients to do so. And I see it as a, a unique opportunity to develop this joint effort. And why I'm telling this? Because from one side, we have digitalization, and we collect so many data. We have Internet of Things. We optimize. We create algorithms. Now we have artificial intelligence in an effort to reduce uh, the extra power demand increase. And this is very important because we are talking about optimization. We are talking about the use of biodiesel to save, let's say, 15%, 20%, 5% fuels. However, a, a lack in monitoring or fast reaction might result to 30% power uh, increase. And here is the, the point that uh, we have to work closely with our clients. Why? Because we need to work together to optimize speeds, to optimize and analyze the legs, uh, to see what is the percentage of fuel that will be used. But most important, and this is the, the highlight of this discussion, I think, in my message, is to find a solution for the cleaning process, the hull cleaning process. This is a real headache because how to decide what is really necessary for the ship? We have very, very advanced system, but what is bad? 2%, 3%, 5%, 10%. Uh, if you are, uh, let's say, slow, you pay the penalty. If you are fast, you destroy the ship. If you have long-time charter, it's easier to find a solution. If you have a, a spot market and, uh, let's say, a voyage charter, then it is totally different because the other wants to do his job, but then the ship is useless. So. I think this is uh, the most important thing, to find ways uh, and work uh, towards an amicable solution and the, a, a plan that will be uh, mutually agreed when and how to clean ship. This is number one priority for us. And last but not least, we have to see about the necessary culture enhancement because we might want to share data we have transparent sharing of data through uh, online systems, etc. We might want to find a solution with some people there, but one guy is enough if he wants to prove something to someone else to destroy and ruin all this effort. And in that case, the reliability, the trust, and the goodwill will be lost. I think this is the biggest challenge. Thank you, Thank you very much. Uh, following the thorough reply by Mr. Vastarujas, I would like to come to Basel, and uh, I'd like to ask, uh, is there anything else that uh, you apply at Alasia to achieve this uh, target beyond uh, what was mentioned by Mr. Vastarujas? First of all, on you run a different type of ships, that's, I believe. That's right, yes. First of all, on behalf of my principal, Nicolas Adjano, and myself, obviously, I'd like to thank uh, the organizers for the uh, 
invitation. And also a, a quick uh, disclaimer, I was a student at Imperial College when Professor Arkumanis was a professor, so I hope I won't embarrass you too much today with what I have to uh, say. Uh, I'll, I'll be given, I guess, the opportunity to embarrass myself a little bit more when we talk about alternative fuels, so I'll try to keep this one very short, particularly since uh, Mr. Vastaroukas was very um, uh, clear in, in his response. So I will uh, try to reply very quickly with five words and one sentence. The five words are root, root trim, speed, cleaning, and monitoring. And the uh, one sentence is uh, much closer collaboration between all the stakeholders uh, in uh, shipping, particularly between uh, charters and owners. Th this, I think, is what is going to help the most from an uh, operational uh, point of view. And one oh, very quick comment as well. I'm uh, very glad that you chose uh, uh, Dr. Kokarakis to start with uh, this question because I think it is uh, maybe the most important one. We have to see what we can do about the uh, existing uh, ships. And to just to make the argument, I'll take it to the extreme. If none of us did any, nothing for the next uh, 20, 30 years, and uh, magically we were able to press a button uh, on the 31st of December 2049 and convert <coughs> the whole world, not just shipping, to uh, zero CO2 emissions. If you believe environmentalists, we will have already destroyed the world completely. So we need to do something right now with our existing ships. Thank you very much, uh, Basil. Uh, we have another student of uh, Professor Arkumanis. <laughs> we come to Dr. Barbaris. Uh, so, Luca, uh, what other innovative uh, procedures? I know your company is pioneering in uh, their operations. Uh, what other, uh, if any, you apply in uh, your fleet? You want to say us uh, something more on that? Hello. Uh, to everybody, yes, uh, I would like to make also, uh, I mean, we, we worked uh, quite uh, uh, thoughtfully on what we should do uh, each time, so we have measures uh, towards uh, improving uh, the fleet uh, uh, efficiency, uh, which, is, which includes uh, hull paints and uh, that's as uh, Mr. Vastaru has just said before, uh, noting also that uh, quite often uh, uh, the hull uh, cleaning is not uh, efficient and uh, there are not standards for that. Uh, and, but uh, having done all this, uh, we, we have achieved uh, a substantial, I mean, substantial uh, in the scope of uh, improvement uh, reductions of uh, fuel, uh, I mean, after our dry dockings. Uh, which ranges uh, towards uh, from 7 to 10 percent, which is not that bad, but uh, the scope of uh, our, uh, uh, the, the scope of uh, the reduction of uh, fuel uh, consumption and uh, improving the energy efficiency uh, is not uh, so limited. Uh, I mean, we would expect uh, substantial changes, especially after 2030, and uh, uh, nor biofuels, uh, nor any improvements in uh, vessels will will help us uh, on that uh, respect. So, I mean, probably you know that uh, our company has uh, already uh, contracted a couple of uh, uh, methanol dual fuel uh, vessels. Uh, there are specific thought process uh, behind that because we know that fuels are uh, uh, 
Uh, I mean, we have several options, but not all of them are quite uh, uh, mature. So for, I mean, uh, hydrogen, ammonia, uh, et cetera. Uh, we, have, we believe that uh, together with uh, a number of uh, early movers in this uh, methanol uh, uh, dual fuel uh, engine, uh, uh, engines, we will be able to, uh, to take, a, to, I mean, to, to apply them and we'll be able to use them uh, for uh, a lesser uh, carbon footprint. I don't know if I said many things, but I need to stop now. You gave me the lead now to ask uh, Professor Arkumanis the $1 million question. I have also a $2 million question, but it's the, late, the, the next one. Uh, out of the lot of fuels, alternative fuels, low or zero carbon fuels that we have, which ones are the most promising, including technologies, Professor Arkumanis? What is your opinion? Uh, Dr. Barbaris mentioned uh, methanol. I presume he meant green methanol. Because we look at the well to wake. Before I, I respond or try to respond, let me thank Nikos for the invitation, Mr. Hajiwanu for the hospitality, and just <clears throat> to declare that I'm proud about my ex-students. No, no comments about it. Ditto. Coming to to, to th this uh, issue that we are all facing, let's first um, set some criteria in order to, to attempt to evaluate them. The first is experience, maturity, availability of the fuel, because that immediately turns the direction in probably one way. The second is the, new, the two new regulations that EUTS and FUELU are bringing in, and MBPC 81 will also bring, which is life cycle analysis. And I'd like to say two words about it because it's, it, this is a scientific point, but very important practically. Uh, up to now, when we're talking about emissions, we're looking from the tank to what is exhausted in the atmosphere. This will stop. And from now on, the consideration will be from well to wheel in cars or from well to wake, which takes into account all the process from production up to the exhaust. That changes a lot. And in particular, it's going to help, in my view, um, um, the um, uh, LNG in particular, which is the fuel that has a lot of money has been invested. It is available in about 190 ports worldwide. It's the only dual fuel engine that is working well. So it's something that we cannot simply reject. And what is the objection that has been raised by the scientific community that there are so many leakages from production up to the exhaust that we need to take into account? Second, that methane, which is the dominant component of LNG, is having a, a major role in the overheating of the planet, and it's a long-term it, it stays for a long time, it affects 
the, the, the temperature of the planet. So this is one point that the new regulations on, on life cycle analysis will focus, and already there are significant reductions in the system from production to the exhaust to reduce it, and above all, the engines that are now available to burn LNG, especially the, the ones that are working on the diesel cycle, the high pressure ones rather than the auto cycle, are producing much less uh, methane slip. So out of all that, LNG is, is, uh, is attracting immediately, should attract our attention. The second interesting fuel is ammonia. If you look at the scientific uh, publications and, and many operational results uh, and comments, it's by far the fuel that is considered to be about 40 to 50 percent in the energy mix in 2040 to 2050, despite all the problems that we can uh, discuss. Hydrogen, the best pro uh, prediction, talk about 20-25% in the energy mix. So ammonia, despite the fact it's so toxic, despite the fact that it's the community perception is, is questionable, despite the fact that we may face crew issues, uh, refusing to, to get into ships, burning ammonia and all that is still very popular because of many uh, scientific advantages. Now, if the new dual fuel engine that is going to be available by the end of the year, early 25, is successful, then ammonia will start being considered more favorably because it is so well known as a f uh, as as a lubricant and, and in many applications, widely used around the world. So I'll stick to those. Methanol comes after, biofuels, limited quantities, but very well placed to be used as pilot fuels in dual fuel engines, irrespective of the fuel. So stick Thank to you. That. Thank you very much for your thorough reply. Uh, I would like to ask uh, Dr. Barbaris uh, another question, that $2 million question. Uh, would you go for a retrofitting uh, an existing vessel or new building? Uh, the problem we have here is that today we have no fuels, no green fuels. They are not available to the quantities we want. And the prices are for is are, are forgiven. I mean, uh, uh, not financially feasible. So what do we do? Do we wait? Uh, it is a problem. Uh, so retrofit might be a later solution. Uh, but whatever is built today, uh, after 25 years, will be here, 2050. So. It seems that about 20% of the fleet in 2050 will run on fossil fuels. So 
What do you think, uh, yes. Lucas? Uh, thank you again. Uh, one comment on uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Professor Arkumani's uh, points about ammonia, uh, which uh, I fully respect. Uh, of course, uh, uh, the, the advantage of methanol is that uh, today we have uh, methanol uh, dual fuel engines, while we don't have uh, ammonia uh, dual fuel engines, which but is uh, coming. Uh, it's coming, yes, but okay, it's coming, but uh, we don't, we have not seen uh, all the consequences uh, at the end. Uh, so it will take, it will be a, a, let's say, a more uh, towards 2040 fuel rather than a, let's say, 2030 fuel. Uh, and uh, we have uh, gathered uh, quite a substantial attention from many, uh, from many companies uh, towards uh, green methanol or methanol. Uh, the second point is uh, retrofitting. Uh, yes, we cannot. Uh, the only thing that I can see uh, in retrofitting is uh, uh, carbon capture. Uh, for, uh, and what that is is uh, when you install, uh, uh, let's say, equipment on board uh, in order to uh, capture the carbon that uh, is emitted to the atmosphere. Uh, you pressurize it uh, and uh, then you submit it. Uh, to the to the port authority. So this this will be a solution in the future, uh, although still the cost is quite high. So we need further research on this respect. But I believe that this will play a big role on uh, yes. uh, on the decarbonization of the industry. Uh, on the other hand, new builds. I mean, uh, new builds. Uh, what we have here is uh, the phase three new builds, and this is what you can order. You cannot order something else, uh, or even uh, you can even order a. A, a dual fuel uh, methanol C, but you cannot order something which is more efficient. So uh, we are selecting, uh, we have selected to, to order uh, phase three vessels which are very, very efficient uh, compared to anyone else. So we will, compared to the existing fleet, I mean, in the dry bulk sector, there are about 11,000 uh, vessels, and uh, uh, these vessels, the, the dual fuel uh, vessels, will be maybe 100 or 150. So they will be the most efficient vessels out there. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, we need at a certain point of time to, uh, to do more research in, uh, in uh, carbon capture. And carbon capture pre pre presents also problems in existing vessels because you need to find uh, the, the, I mean, you need to, uh, to clean the exhaust gases from, from uh, particulate matter and other uh, uh, things. Uh, you need to, to install equipment which is quite large. You need to pressurize the CO2, which is not that bad, but you need also to have, a, a, to, to, to have a tanks for this CO2. All these have to, become, have to be installed in one vessel, which has specific dimensions and specific uh, areas. So this is also a challenge and a cost. And we have not resolved yet the problem what we'll do with the CO2. Uh, okay, you can, let's say, dump it somewhere in one... Uh, uh, in, in, in the in one old uh, let's say source, but uh, uh, there are not yet solutions on that. But I think this will play a big role. Synthetic ammonia is cheaper than methanol. That's why Professor Arkumanis placed it number number two. So what about uh, Alasia? What do you say, Vasil, on this? In the, in the question between retrofits and uh, right, new builds. Right. Yes, there is, there is this uh, other uh, theory out there as well that to, to build a new building ship and to scrap an old ship is very harmful to the environment as well. So perhaps there is an argument to 
prolonging the life of the existing ships. And that, of course, also speaks to uh, retrofitting with all the uh, things that we have discussed here. And I also am a, a proponent, if you like, of uh, carbon capture. Although in studying carbon capture recently, the other thing that we have realized internally is that the only way for the ship to get credit for the cap, uh, carbon that has been captured is for the uh, CO2 to then be permanently stored, sequestered. If it is sold on for future commercial use, then the ship doesn't get the credit, and it is whoever uses it then that will get the uh, credit. If it is to be stored, of course, that increases the cost uh, even further. So as, as always, the, the, the devil is in the detail. But um, to uh, make the, also the argument for uh, new buildings as well, I appreciate that whatever ship is built today probably will be here for the next 20, 25 years. But th the highest quality ships that are being built today, as uh, Mr. Tsavilias very eloquently said uh, earlier, are 30 plus percent more efficient than the uh, high quality existing vessels, not poor quality existing vessels. Uh, so that means that if you take delivery of a conventional fuel, uh, high quality conventional fuel ship today, and you take advantage of all those future uh, technologies, and we haven't touched upon perhaps wind-assisted propulsion, propulsion and, other, uh, and other things, maybe you can get to more than 50, 60 uh, percent uh, CO2 uh, reduction until the sort of, for lack of a better term, the dust settles on the alternative fuels. And we will keep the legacy of the fossil fuels with the carbon capture. And uh, let's come to Mr. Vastarujas. Uh, bringing in mind that uh, his type of vessels, containers, last much more than 25 years. Yeah. They last 40 years because they are hey. very expensive, oh. even if not as expensive as the cargo, as yeah. their cargo. Yeah. Uh, we see it in a different way because uh, we do not have access or reward with a uh, fuels. We cannot secure fuels. It is not in our industry. That is something that is carried out by our clients. So first of all, we have to be flexible. So number one priority before answering the question retrofit or new building is clearly uh, having uh, eco ships, either building eco design ships or improve the ships as we replied already in the first question. This is first priority for us. It can reduce immediately uh, the emissions at some extent. But 2030 and afterwards is close enough, so we have to consider also the future. Now, the answer here is not uh, black or white. We need vessels to be built with engines because always some people, they have to shape lines. There is always the puzzle with chicken and egg, nobody uh, will develop fuels at big extent if there are no ships, nobody will build many ships with uh, engines equipped from the building stage if there is no fuel available all or infrastructure available. So we need uh, the first movers to shape lines. In our industry, that is coming from the liner companies. Now, there is something else that we have to take into account, the business model, because that plays a significant role in this decision. In the past, let's say 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 
when we had the, uh, a new building project, there was a charter, let's say 10 years, 12 years, 15 years in advance, so you could take decisions uh, where the ship will go, with whom you will work, and uh, we could decide about fuels, etc. Now, we build ships on a speculation basis. It means that we cannot be committed to a certain type of fuel before there is maturity and the clear positioning in the industry. For us, there are some certain parameters that push, push the company towards the solution of retrofit. Uh, all our new buildings, now we have 12 ships on order, are methanol or even methanol and ammonia ready. And uh, we believe that the model is to have eco ships ready to be retrofitted. We need, let's say, a year notice, two months time to make the retrofit. The vessel on the paper is almost ready. And why this? Because that depends on the area that ship will be deployed tomorrow. We be strongly believe that will be a segmentation in the market regarding the fuels. Mm -hmm. It will not be a unique fuel available there. So where we are going to deploy our ships? And uh, what will be the price that time that we will have the availability and the necessity to retrofit the ships? And at the same time, there is also a kind of, let's say, thread competitiveness by carbon capture, you know very well, and we had this discussion that Danaus tries to develop her own carbon capture system. Uh, there is a threat there, because if there is a successful carbon capture system that, with a new technology, uh, overcoming the existing difficulties, uh, neutralizing the CO2, all these systems, all these fuels will be useless. So there is always a threat. Uh, and last but not least, I'll coming, I, I, I visit again the very, very sensitive uh, matter of the, the crew training. If we decide to build the ship and equip the ship with a specific engine, we need to train our crew because they are not familiar with such kind of operations. What if at the end we have to move to another fuel, if it is possible? So all this time, all this effort will be lost. So we decided in the, let's say, notification period, which is one year when we will be sure about uh, what is going to be done to carry out the training with our people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I would like to come to Professor Arkumanis and ask him the, you want to comment? Yes, uh, about carbon capture, um, which uh, gives many, many hopes. It's, it's nothing more than another scrubber. And uh, th theoretically, scientifically, to use a, a, a bad fuel in order to, to keep them going and uh, reduce the impact doesn't, doesn't make sense. But, but in the case of uh, CO2 capture, um, it's not, it, it can reduce the carbon emissions. It would not, cannot eliminate the efficiency will never be too high. But what is now emerging is a number of, of possible applications of using the carbon for uh, either commercial reasons rather than dumping it of under course, the ground. Of Only this makes sense. Yes. And there are a number of uh, small companies looking at 
creating either fuels or lubricants out of the carbon. And that's, that's the reasonable direction rather than using another scrubber and dumping it in the ground. That's, that's my Can view. you, uh, Luca? If I may also make a comment, uh, uh, one question is why should you install a, a, a carbon capsule system on board while you can uh, have a, a carbon capture nearby a fossil fuel electricity production factory which can, uh, can capture it and without any problem. And as uh, making a comment which is very interesting to your point that uh, ammonia is cheaper, and why don't you, you, you can you use uh, this uh, CO2, which is uh, captured to produce, uh, let's say, green methanol. Uh, that, that could yeah, be also we do. Uh, we one do. solution. Uh, and uh, one point also about green methanol is we need to also to assess what is the cost of the vessel, not only of the fuel, altogether. So these uh, are the two, And methanol uh, does not need abatement equipment to, to get uh, NOx. Uh, yes. Uh, well, you, go, you can use water. Yes, uh, and also you don't need, I mean, a... a, 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 a Ammonia uh, is, uh, should be pressurized, so you need additional, uh, let's say, refrigeration capabilities. On, on board, I, I am a known enemy of ammonia as a fuel. Yes. Uh, but uh, I would like to uh, very, very shortly, if Professor Manis, what is your opinion about, I'm not going to scare the audience and say nuclear power, but I'm going to call it atomic battery. You think that there is a future for shipping with this type of propulsion? Atomic battery. You can call Not it butter, battery. You can call it whatever you like. We don't want to scare the people. The fact is that... Is that... Yeah, thank you. The in existing internal combustion engines uh, can burn whatever fuel is offered, can do a great job. The efficiency gradually goes up, although it is reaching a peak. But there are signs are that the successor of the conventional internal combustion engine will be the small nuclear reactors. Now, a number of technological issues still exist. People, people are afraid of the concept of nuclear energy because they think that it's like the systems that exist. The small nuclear reactors have nothing to do with that. It's completely different concept, very safe, compact, many advantages. They can last for about 25, 30 years in one top like the the, the uh, life of a ship, uh, many advantages. The, what I see as very critical is if the production starts and because the initial investment will be very significant, the operational cost will be much less. If it reaches a stage of significant initial investment, then it will go. Very good. Then everybody will jump on it. Yeah. But that is not, will never happen before 35, 40. 
it it fits it uh, a lot of of checks um, but of course still and, and and in Greece the prime minister recently said no we are not going to to go towards nuclear energy because Greece is is uh, 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 we have earthquakes and so on but earthquakes have nothing to do with small nuclear reactors they are not affecting it so yes there are there are advantages nobody should be scared uh, let's see if the community will invest uh, in small nuclear reactors outside the, the number of laboratories that are now involved in it. Thank you very much. And I would like to close uh, with uh, a last question, which actually, please uh, reply with a yes or no. It is kind of a poll. I'm not going to poll the audience, although I would love to. But in the interest of time, I would like to ask the panel, do you think that the target of zero emissions uh, in 2050 is feasible? Well, we start with Mr. Vastarujas, a yes or no? John? Yes. yes. Uh, Basil? No. 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 I'll be happy to answer. Sorry. Yes or no? I'll be happy to answer when IMO and EU uh, converge and agree. From that moment onwards, we can give an answer. Okay, I am a no. So what about the audience? Yes, hand raising, yes. Who believes that it is feasible? I don't see many hands. Just one hand. Mrs. Yorgopoulos. Say no, say no. What about no? Wow. I agree with you guys. So, as our forum uh, panel draws to a close, uh, uh, I would like to extend my heartfelt gratitude to uh, an insightful panel and attending at, uh, engaged audience. Uh, your commitment to charting a sustainable uh, greener course for the maritime industry is commendable. Uh, remember that the future is not written in the stars, but it is charted by the hands that dare to steer. May your compass always point towards greener horizons and be driven by fair winds and following seas. Bon voyage and thank you. Yeah. Thank you. A, a quick question to, to Mr. Vastarujas, actually, because the now shipping is a very advanced uh, Greek uh, company. We, we know for the last 30 years, 90% of Greek shipping relies on your software systems that John Kunst has developed. And also, big supporter of Cyprus uh, flag. He added eight Cape size Balkaris the last six months in the Cypriot registry. We thank him for that very much. So the question is to you, because you mentioned the methanol-ready ships, uh, how, how the engine, the engine will be retrofitted on a methanol-ready ship or will be converted? Because I remember in the past uh, with the scrubbers, the shipyards were selling scrubber-ready ship. And we asked what 
what do you mean scrubber ready? And it was nothing included. You, just, you had to pay $100,000 for nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much it costs to be methanol ready when the yard sells it and what it includes? Yeah. Uh, first of all, we have done extensive discussions with uh, both major engine makers, WinGT and uh, MIN. Uh, the retrofit kit for the engines that will be uh, installed in uh, some projects like MESC project or what you are going to do, for example, uh, will be followed by retrofit kits. And the retrofit kit actually for the ship is within, uh, inside the engine room, nothing special, just some adjustments on the engine, double hole pipes, uh, let's say, uh, firefighting and detection system, that's all. The remaining is isolated in an external part. We, for example, can sacrifice half cargo hold. We can build uh, hull tanks. We do not need something special. We have already designed them. Uh, we never have 100% utilization of cargo, so we have the space, we have the pipes, we have the allocate area for the banker station. Uh, we have taken with the uh, consensus by the engine maker that we simply retrofit making some adjustment on the engine. That's all. So it's uh, very practical for us because our main concern that I didn't say before is that all these that we are talking about green fuels in theory are very good. But if we do not have clean and cheap electric power production, how to have green fuels? This is my point. Okay, thank you. Thank you, everybody. One thing I'd like to mention as well, just to comment on Dinos Arakumanis' uh, remark, very tolmiro, uh, quite daring, because the situation which we have here, if I may say so, is that um, the issue between, or the conflict between the European Union and the, um, and the IMO, obviously it's well known, it's been going on for years, like, like cat and dogs. But the problem here is that that whole situation, that friction or that disparity between those two organizations has created another scenario the scenario of the business of unresolved problems, that effectively, in the last five, 10 years, there's been a lot of business which have been created, which are based on the disparity and the fact that they, cannot, that they cannot find solutions. So even though, as I can fully commend uh, Dennis, what he mentioned, that, that there can be a scenario of having to, to comply with the target of 2050, is that friction or that uh, disparity, or the lack of synergy, if I may say so, between the European Union and the IMO, which is the big, what I call Achilles tendon. So let it be hopeful it will be resolved. But as I say, the um, scenario is we also have to resolve the fact that there have been too many uh, businesses which have been created which are based on the fact that they want to find no solution. Like the, uh, the legal field, to a certain extent, the science of unresolved problems. Anyway, thank you, Dino. Thank you very much. The European the whole community, actually, I would like to say that uh, participates in the IMO proceedings. Uh, I was a little bit scared by what uh, Mr. Kurbelis uh, mentioned with various regional regulations coming. And our hope and pray is that in 2027, when IMO will establish uh, the market-based measures, uh, the GF global fuel standard <coughs> and the carbon pricing, the rest of the world will withdraw their regulations, including EU including EU. 
we're going through very controversial times. Anyway, Yanni, I want to thank you very much for moderating this panel, thank and thank you. you, everybody. It's been a great panel, and uh, applause from the audience as well for giving us uh, their, their time.